Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. And George is in for a treat tonight as we head back to 1980. George, are you ready for Friday the 13th? Yes. Do you have any idea what you're going to expect? Uh, no. Okay. That's I, really I, like I've, never, I've, never <laughs> se- I've never seen it. Um, Do you have any idea why we would immediately follow Halloween? With a movie that also has a kind of ominous calendar-based title? No. Good, let's keep it that way. Travis, (laughs) you ready to go, man? I'm ready. All right, let's get to work. George, 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 George. You, you. (laughs) Watch, watch, watch. A movie tonight that kicked a lot of ass, am I right? Sure did. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) see you next time. Good night. (laughs) Peace. Yeah, this one was a good one. So we had George watch the original Friday the 13th from 1980. Sean S. Cunningham, Victor Miller, Tom Savini, Phil Scuderi, all kinds of names that are probably falling on George's deaf ears. But <laughs> He should know Savini. Savini, you've heard that name before, Tom I Savini. recognize the yeah. name, but... George, 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 George. Hey, hey. That's enough fake Echoplex for one day. <laughs> Did you know that's actually an Echoplex in that effect? No. He just hooked no. a mic up to an old Echoplex and, and just did the k and the ma and ma. let it do its own thing. What's funny is that quickly developed over the years into ch 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 ah 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 Yep, but it, it is switches k- back and k- forth k- in k- the sequels. K- it's super annoying. Ma, ma, ma. Originally, yes, it's kill, 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 ma, ma, ma. So, George, yeah. Friday the 13th. First impressions. It was killer. Is that a pun, or is that just really <laughs> accurate? <laughs> no, it's it's just how I explain things that are awesome. Yes. It had a lot of psycho in there. Yeah, it did. It has a lot of psycho in there. Yeah. This, this movie had everything. I feel like Stefan from uh, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> this movie has everything. No, but seriously, it was so well done. Even I couldn't predict what was going to happen. The first time I was really surprised was when, I don't know the character's name, but it was Kevin Bacon. Yes. When Kevin Bacon dies. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, that comes out of nowhere. It's a comes bit out of a nowhere. non sequitur. Yeah, it just, it pops no, right out, out of, of there, chest. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then for the rest of the movie, that could happen again at any time. Right. To anybody. It doesn't matter. I kept me guessing. I had no idea what was going on. It has that feel of Halloween with the voyeuristic killer, you're not seeing the killer at all. So obviously for obvious reasons, they do it just in a way, all the edits and everything. You can't tell what the killer looks like, the the gender of the killer. It's it's happening in front of you. It's, it's nothing like off screen. You're just automatically thinking it's Jason the whole time. The POV worked. Absolutely. So did you spend 90% of this movie assuming that Jason Voorhees was running loose in the camp? I thought that that's basically what the movie would be before I went into it. As the movie progressed, I thought, this doesn't seem like the Jason that I know or think I know or the vision of Jason that I have in my head. And there were little things that kind of pointed to, you know, not Jason. Specifically for me, it was when you see the fingers from like behind the curtain, Mm -hmm. one of the bathroom scenes. And I was just like, that is not... Jason. I thought it was maybe, you know, maybe the crazy guy that was telling well, them yeah, they were they all doomed. And then the head counselor. You know, yeah, or somebody mm-hmm. and then after, you know, he does his thing, I thought like, well, I, I'm trying to think of all the different things that could happen. I'm like, well, maybe after they find that guy out and, you know, figure him out and kill him and think they're safe, then Jason's going to come. Like, how is this going to work? What's funny is, Dan, I was watching the last half hour with him. So I'm thinking, like George, because I've seen it enough times, so I'm trying to figure it out for him in a way. Like, I'm trying to, I'm thinking he's going to think that the same thing, like Texas Chainsaw, the Jason's mother is working with Jason when she pulls up and they show her and they reveal her because he knows Jason Voorhees' name. So as soon as she says, I'm Mrs. Voorhees, I thought for sure he was going to make the connection that possibly she's working with Jason in that Texas Chainsaw kind of manner where his 
uncles and brothers are all working together. Right. So I'm like, oh, is that going to be something he's going to think? And is that going to change his viewpoint of the reveal? But he never said anything, didn't make a sound or anything. So I was like, okay, maybe he didn't think that. And that's just my mind going too deep. Well, I did think that. I I didn't know what to think. That was kind of the beauty of it. I I didn't know what to think. You know, I, I had that thought, you know, that. Right. You know, Jason's mother might be working together or at what point did you realize that it was not you were not gonna see a hockey mask? When Mrs. Voorhees was dead, basically. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm not awesome. kidding. That's good. Well, it does kind of give you a vibe that like he's gonna pop up and help her. Like she's the like, especially when she first po- pops up, she gives you a vibe that like she's looking for her son who may be murdering people and she's here to pick him up and take him home. Hmm. Right. I had suspicions that the killer was not Jason. The further you got into the movie, the more I thought that, you know, it was somebody else or Well, they set whatever. it up purposely to kind of implicate different people. You know, you're always going to assume it's the crazy guy or or, you know, some Steve kind of accountant. Christie, don't forget Steve. Yeah, Steve MF and they, Christie. Yeah, they kind of put put him out there and they set you up with that because he's driving a Jeep. The one who picked up the hitchhiker camper was driving a Jeep. But then I realized everybody's driving a freaking Jeep. So. Are you talking about Joe Exotic? Joe Exotic? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> the parallel. Right. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, is that Joe Exotic? He's acting a lot like Joe Exotic. Right. <laughs> he was awful, like, friendly with poor Alice. Yeah. Yeah. And what's cool is they kind of set you up to think that the camper slash hitchhiker was going to be the main character, the girl. Again, another reason why this movie kept me guessing, yeah. because that's what they were setting she's up dead, for. And, and she's like, dead in 10 yeah. minutes. I mean, that is straight out of Psycho, yeah. retooling Hitchcock for their own devices. Why not? It worked. It and got the, George twice. And the sound uh, was also channeling yeah. Hitchcock as well. The music, definitely. One thing that was not uh, based in Psycho was the animal murder. Yeah. They kill a snake. That's a real snake. I was wondering that. I was like, well, I was thinking of the year of the movie, and I mm. thought, holy crap, that p- probably was a real snake that they really just killed. I guess if they would have taxidermied that snake, it would have been right up the psycho alley. True. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just pre-taxidermy. A lot of fake guitar playing in this movie. Kind of constant fake guitar playing at the Kumbaya, you know, folk singer Did- 58 setting, and then also the guy who plays like flamenco guitar for some reason. Okay, so the f- the 1958 guitar playing was terrible. You could tell it was totally fake. The, I guess, 1980 guitar playing, because of the angle, actually looked pretty good. He was selling it pretty well. I mean, he was. after Blues Brothers, it's hard to like buy yeah. into fake guitar playing. And then Alice hits a few chords Oh, that's right. towards the end. What's funny is you can tell she's from theater. Like, I, I, I kind of was looking into the castings and a few of the people are from the theater scene, the Broadway scene. And she's one of them. It's like her reactions. You could tell sometimes she's trying to play it like from the stage. Like I was watching, I was like, Mm. it's like over, not overacting, but when you're taught in the stage to, if you're going to talk, I have to talk like this. It's like over exaggerated movements because you want the people in the back of the theater to see what you're doing. Sure. So a few of the times I caught her, I was like, oh, man, she's so theater. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite, oh, man, they're so theater moment actually comes from the cans cut of Dawn of the Dead. Have you ever seen that, Travis? The extended, like, not no. the director's cut, but the extra long cut. No, I've only seen the original, like, theater release. There's a guy on the docks pretty close to the beginning of the movie, and he does this whole, like, leap forward with his arms out like we'd be stuck we'd be stuck right. we'd be stuck it's we'd so be funny. stuck his delivery well, is the old... straight off of community theater stage and i love him for it <laughs> old man uh what's his name ralph yeah crazy ralph he's another one who's like you know he could always he could play it really he's like you're doomed but he's like no doomed. like he's like totally like <laughs> hamming it up yeah <laughs> you're all doomed you're all doomed like, you can see the like nine muscles in his lips moving when he's saying doomed. He's like, I played to the guy in the back. He, he could have, he was just short of doing his own echoplex himself. Right. 
<laughs> You're all doomed, doomed, doomed. And when she opens that pantry and he's standing in it, like, who stands in a pantry? <laughs> How did you get here? <laughs> Why are you here? Are you from, like, clerks? Were you, did you go in the back with that lady? You know, like, just all of a sudden, just dis- <laughs> there's a guy in a pantry. How would he get in there? Forgot. Because that was the best way to communicate. <laughs> That they were all doomed. They doomed, were all doomed doomed, 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 doomed. I mean, he certainly made a compelling argument. Yeah. Turns out he was right, too. So. He was right. Then there's a parallel to Bru- Blues Brothers there because he was also on a mission from God. Yes. There you go. Divine. <laughs> and same year as Blues Brothers, too, right? So just coming at this. Yeah. This is the Reagan era, man. We're we're done with Jimmy Carter's like actual human service Christianity, and now we're on to the 80s where the missions from God involve... God, cop tires, cop suspension, and <laughs> machetes yes. and oars. Mm-hmm. Nice. Sure. Yes. <laughs> I think it was just more like the exaggeration of the, the guy holding the sign on the side of the road. Like, Jesus is coming kind of person. Like, I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't even know if it goes as far as Christianity, more of like the just apocalyptic mentality. They pop up in a lot of movies. They're, They're in just, every generation. They're like man. cringeworthy. That was like, the 80s, man. Put the sign away. <laughs> <laughs> so, fun note, Dan. I'm ready. This movie, New Jersey. <laughs> Ooh, is it time? Is it time for the maps? Do we hit the jingle? <laughs> <laughs> it's time for maps with Travis and George it's, it's while Dan falls it's asleep. The <laughs> I'm the map. I'm the map. No. Yeah. So, that, that camp still exists, apparently. I, I yeah, found Camp Nobis. Bosco. And where Nobody where Bosco. exactly is it, Travis? It's in Bergen County, I believe. Bergen County, New Jersey. New Jersey. And where is that in in relation to other it's counties in, the neck in New Jersey? Area of the of the mailman. <laughs> there, we did it. <laughs> Wait, let me fold this map up. <laughs> now I'm gonna need the interstate uh, crossroads so I can look at it on a on a road atlas. Yeah, it's like off of exit 14 on the turnpike. That's so Jersey of you to say what explain. I said. <laughs> the, yeah, by the exit, by the turnpike exit. Yeah. Where are you from? I'm from exit four, Cherry Hill. Yeah. <laughs> so this really is you guys' neck of the woods. Do you spend the whole movie going, oh, wait, I've seen that before. Oh, hey, my parents took me there once. Ooh, wait. No. I, got, I saw a guy get killed there for real one time. <laughs> <laughs> Not this movie. No. Yeah, it's about an hour, an hour and a half away. I mean, away. Voorhees is literally Voorhees the is next close. town over. Yeah. From where I live. Voorhees is right here. So the name Voorhees was like, you know, oh, hey, I know that place. Which is ironically near the Crystal Lake Diner. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a lot of things that hit home uh, very close to where we live. Crystal Lake, Voorhees. Yes, Dan, you make fun, but geography is getting you Haddonfield, New Jersey, and the Crystal Lake Diner within five minutes of our house. Mm-hmm. I do have so. to wonder, with the Haddonfield connection to Halloween... This movie, I don't know if you noticed, George, but is 100% a Halloween ripoff, like a cash-in on the success mm. of Halloween. So I wonder if they did, if they looked at the map and were just like, well, there's Haddonfield. Ooh, Voorhees, that's a cool name. Voorhees. Let's use that for the city. And then like in rewrites, they're like, no, that's the last name. We're going to name him after that chick from Saved by the Bill. <laughs> Who's not alive yet. <laughs> yeah, true beginning of the movie mm-hmm. you get your point of view shot your subjective camera you get the kill this time they kill the boyfriend and the girlfriend what we're escalating from halloween if you notice mm. uh-huh but otherwise that's the opening of halloween just moved to a new spot it was in a barn are right, you thinking that the whole time or are you just like oh what's gonna happen Ooh, what's gonna happen and not registering that you, you've already seen this once the the first person camera view um i picked up on i didn't really think oh gosh this is exactly like halloween when i watched it because this you know the scenario was different the other you know halloween happens in a house it's a brother and a sister it was different the relationship between the people was different right and it wasn't as artistically done either like no i i can tell i think the cinematographer was just doing a handheld i don't think it was a steady cam yeah when he's going so. through the cabin with the kids it's very clearly like laborious handheld 35 millimeter yeah. It's very <laughs> shaky. It's like not very agile with that thing. Yeah, that's what she said. But I think that's what makes the Halloween opening sequence so classy for me is that continuous, uncut, steady cam. Yeah, it's, it's you. You could not steal that without getting in trouble. I'm oh, glad I, they didn't try. I, I'm sure you could steal that. <laughs> that yeah, that would be really easy. And I'm pretty sure about 15 other movies do by the time this movie comes out. Really? 
yeah in two years I think so, man. There's a lot okay. that pop up. Maybe by the time you get Friday Part 2, you've got at okay. least 15 different clones that have all stolen random elements from Halloween. But we can't talk about which ones because George hasn't seen them yet. <laughs> mm. One thing about this movie, it's similar to Halloween, but it is vastly like cranked up, as we say, to 11. Mm. The use of the scenery as a constant, ominous kind of predator Mm. You know, Haddonfield for most of that movie is just there's one scary guy and we know where he is most of the time. Right. Yeah. But this one, man, that killer, wherever they are, they're always lurking, man. They're always looking. They're always just behind that tree and we don't know what they are yet. He's using the trees. (laughs) (laughs) No choppas in this one, though. No choppa. Get to the choppa. One thing, I would say that this movie succeeds in a place that Halloween doesn't and, and strongly is that sense of mystery with them basically taking the Jollo playbook and Americanizing it? Mm-hmm. Who done it? Who's doing it? Mm-hmm. Who is the killer? Now, granted, you can't really play along, right? Because you aren't introduced to Pamela until basically her confession, right? Like, you don't get a lot of right. lead-in time with her. But there's something to be said for a movie when you literally cannot guess. And it's clear that you don't know for sure, but there's some evidence that maybe you'll be able to figure it out there's a little bit of playing along at home along with the the movie that adds a little something that Halloween's lacking. And you don't really think about it watching Halloween because it's a great movie. But now that you think about it, like, man, I knew that was Michael the whole time. The only right. real mystery is where did he go at the end, right? Like the rest of the time, it's just, oh, yeah, that's Michael. And why, why is he doing it? Oh, is, hey, it's is Michael. It's probably the bigger mystery. Oh, hey, it's Michael. That would be the mystery. Oh, something yeah. scary happened. It's Michael. <laughs> now, hold on a second. Because... You're you're making it sound like these you know this this movie is a complete ripoff. It's not. At least not to me to me watching it, you know, the fact that the killer was first person basically the entire movie, right? Yeah. So you don't see the killer like you see Michael right. throughout the entire movie of Halloween. That was a big big difference. And I don't think they did the POV as a ripoff of Halloween per se, I think it was more, how do we have this killer not get seen the whole time? Yeah. Because it's obviously, it's a woman. So we can't even show like off the shoulder shots and we can't show anything that would show any part of the body until like little cropped parts. So yeah, it, it you have to do POV, but I don't think they were totally ripping off the Halloween POV. No, that's what I'm saying. Right. No, I, I, I th- I thought it was different enough that while I was watching it, I didn't think, oh, this is just right. Halloween 2.0. I didn't. There are a lot of movies that you will think that. Uh, right. Some of them are Halloween movies. A lot of them are not. I'm thinking of one in particular uh, starring a certain funny man turned straight man. Do you know the one I'm referring to, Travis? Also, maybe starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Do you know the one I'm referring talking to? Talking about prom night? I'm talking about prom night. Yeah. That movie actually does something really interesting with the Halloween formula, so I hope we get to watch that at some point. But that is much more a direct kind of, oh, hey, you know, Halloween, here's how we're doing it. A little different. Mm. Well, as much as a thief from Halloween, I also think they they take you away from it enough by doing the gratuitous kills. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't see any gratuity. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in your face, like Savini, that's what he's known for. Before Savini, it was like, okay, we're going to show this real quick. Savini's like, no, I can cut that hatchet. I can make it look like it's right in her eyeball and I'm going to do it. Like I wrote down here, Savini, the necessity uh, is the mother of invention. Before him, even when you look at Dawn of the Dead, his effects in that movie were not that good compared to this one. So even within a couple of years, he improved so much on, you know, blood quality, the appliances, how to use, you know, fake torsos and, you know, the whole thing with Kevin Bacon. None of that body is his. It's just it's Kevin Bacon's head on a fake body and you don't even really notice it. Nope. So they just kept DMTs on standby and were like, okay, you can strangle him with his own blood for 14 seconds. <laughs> then we have to patch him back up or he'll die. Yeah, he's just sitting in a chair and the fake body is attached to his body. I refuse to believe it. I like okay. my version better. <laughs> <laughs> well, he lived to do about 75 more movies. So. Allegedly. Allegedly. And a really nice, touching tribute to John Prine right after he died with him and his wife playing a little song. That was very nice. Kevin Bacon's like disowned this movie franchise, and that's fine. Has he? 
Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't seem to really be that excited to talk about it anymore, which is a shame because his death is like the game changer, Iconic. right? That's yeah. the moment when you go from like, hey, we've seen this before to like, oh no. Well, he's actually in talks of possibly playing uh, Freddy Krueger, so it would be nice to see him come full circle and embrace the genre again. Well, he's done horror since then. You know, he did Stir of Echoes and Hollow Man, right. but I just haven't seen him out in front like proud of his work in this movie now granted some of his work in this movie is a little rough so maybe he sees it as an artist would and just can't you know doesn't want to own up to lesser uh scenes but that's probably it yeah who knows he seems like a nice dude so well he came from a soap opera at the time so they weren't really worried about acting so much when he was uh working for soap operas. I really think the acting in this is pretty good. Now, yeah, they it do have the theater good. guys, and it does seem like they're almost playing to a second camera further down the road a lot of the time. Mm. Like, it's just a yeah. little too big. Especially when you get two of the biggest over-actors on the screen at the same time. Oh, like, my gosh. <laughs> her, <laughs> Alice and uh, Mrs. Voorhees together is way too much... Uh, <laughs> Way too much acting. Overacting. Like, uh, sometimes Betsy Palmer channels uh, a little bit of the old Nicolas Cage... I do really enjoy their fight, though. I know that yeah. the chase becomes like, well, I mean, from Chainsaw, right? I mean, that's just right. that's what we've got to do at the end of every movie now is have a nice five, ten minute chase. But I mean, they get pretty gritty. And then Alice hits Mrs. Voorhees in the crotch with a gun and you get this weird like <laughs> Freudian phallic moment where suddenly right. she has a rifle dick for a minute and then she <laughs> takes it back. She she steals the power away from Mrs. Voorhees by stealing her rifle dick. What? Like I didn't even think of rifle dick. I just thought, you know, why would you hit a woman in her nuts? I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> in her non-existent nuts. Yeah, listen, I don't I don't know what it feels like. I imagine it's probably not pleasant. I don't know if it's okay. I'll get to the socials. All right, guys. <laughs> Anyways, you said rifle deck. <laughs> I mean, he took us down a road. That's true. I did. I opened the door. <laughs> I turned on the lights and I said, boys, come on <laughs> in. Have at it. I really did think that. I thought it was strange to hit a woman in the crotch. Yes. Yeah. I was like, does that even really hurt that bad? Oh, well, it's a movie. movie. Just keep watching. So you go t- from Halloween. Mostly kind of uh, underplayed gore, very little blood. That one lady gets her throat slit, and I didn't even see it until I got to the most recent 4K release. So, I mean, obviously not the goriest thing. This movie opens with a moderately violent kill of the two lovebirds, but then, man, poor Annie. The opening girl who you think is going to be your main Mm. girl, and then the the throat slit. Probably the best-looking throat slit I've seen up to this point, up to 1980. That yeah. gross delayed blood thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's become his trademark. The thing about Tom Savini effects, this is not new information for most people, but for George it probably is. He was in Vietnam as a combat photographer. And what he'll talk mm. about in interviews is, if it doesn't make me feel the way that the real stuff did, I need to do a better job. Right. And this is one of those effects that makes me, even having seen it multiple times, just go, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. Which is kind of cool. I mean, in a in an era now where we kind of glorify gore as like a yay moment for some reason, we probably all need counseling and toasts. <laughs> yeah. But in this one, there's not. It doesn't feel like a celebration. It just feels horrific. Just it's ugh. brutal. Just ugh. yeah. Well, that's why you hire him. Yep. And he just got better with age too. Like he's the stuff he does in in future. Fridays is even better. You mean the best is yet to come? So my favorite non-entity in this movie, as far as character development and acting goes, what'd you guys think about the motorcycle cop? Thought he was kind of a stiff. He apparently was added in after, like during rewrites. He's not in the original penning of the script, and the original writer was actually mad about some of the rewrites, and that was one of the things that they put in there. That and the the uh, Jason popping out at the end of the movie columbia gold man yeah what who is this guy and then did you (laughs) notice he crashed the motorcycle but they just cut right before he crashed (laughs) 
<laughs> no. Right before the cut, his ass is going off the road, and he's putting his feet down like, oh, God, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. I Go back that. and that's a, that's a good little laugh at that guy's expense. That's like when the stormtrooper hits his head walking in the room. It is. And absolutely. his helmet is crooked the whole scene. <laughs> and you're like, dude, fix your helmet. Director said, I'm not allowed to touch it, so I just got to stand here with my nothing. crooked head. Just leave me alone. <laughs> nothing to see here. Poor guy. My favorite thing, I think, is the voyeurism of this movie. Because mm. it kind of made me think of how today, with social media, like everybody is just letting everybody in their life, every second of their life is... So we're all voyeurs, basically, in everybody's mm-hmm. life. But we're all but, so alone. But we're all so alone. And this this movie kind of put that in my mind. Like, I'm thinking, everybody's being watched. Every single person's being watched. And you don't know by who or by how many. Because technically, when this came out, you had movies like The Hills Have Eyes and all that stuff. So it's like, you don't know, is it one killer? Is there multiple killers? I think uh, Assault on... Priest of 13 came out recently, so it's like it could be multiple people watching these people. So that's why I'm th- even though I knew the story, I'm still watching it thinking, wow, this could be a gang watching these these kids. This could be a total wipeout. Yeah. I just hate being watched. And that whole thing kind of was more scary than any mom or kid from the lake. They used that element a lot in The Strangers, which came out yes. back in the early 2000s. Scariest movie in decades, man. Mm hmm. And it's not that violent, but it's just so well crafted with that constant presence, right? It's a voyeur, yeah. but it's also like a presence you can feel but not always see, man, outside your cabin, man. It's really effective. Yeah, they use that in Us as well. Oh, yeah. Just saw that recently. That movie doesn't make any flipping sense at the end, but no. it's pretty good. <laughs> kind of just, yeah, well, that's for a different show. It's but pretty I good, just, <laughs> but like, <laughs> It was good what? until like the last 20 minutes. And then I was like, wait, what? I had a real what <laughs> moment where I was like, did we have to? <laughs> did we have to? Did we have to go down that road? <laughs> did you just get by uh, some toxic waste? No, that's, that's sounds like that one lady talks like, that whole time. She just breathed yes, in. Yes, I know. She breathed in. What are we doing with it? I don't want to talk about it anymore. Because she was from the opposite side. Oh. So she was talking inwards. Right, but nobody else did that. What? No one else did that. that. Was a confusing <laughs> movie. I don't I know love what Jordan you guys Peele. are talking about. Yeah, I love Jordan, Jordan Peele. Peele, but that one, that, was, that might have been a miss for me. That was out there. But Elizabeth Moss, man, that lady is always bringing her A game. Yeah. But a lot of the, like, the first hour of that stuff has a lot of the same Friday the 13th feel where you're just, they're, they're 10 feet away. Then they're five feet away. Then they're like right on your front door. Like it's just very scary to be watched when you don't know who's watching you. The camera work in this movie was similar to Halloween in the sense that it was filmed in such a way that the killer could come at you from any angle at any moment. Can we talk about Strip Monopoly? Absolutely. Yeah. What better way to make a game that's crappy less crappy? I'm still not sure of the rules. Like, did they have a value table? You know, is a boot like 50 bucks and like an underpants like 200 bucks? Because I, I really feel like you're getting a raw deal if if you can land on Boardwalk and lose a watch. But then you mm. land on like Baltic Avenue and suddenly it's like, you know, there there goes the, the underbritches. That doesn't seem fair. Seems like a short game. Yeah, you know? that's what she said. Maybe they skipped the part where they like, Went through their wardrobes to make sure everybody had the same number of articles. <laughs> Go through all the technical details. No, that ring doesn't count. No, your earrings don't count. Stop trying to use your nose ring, Alice. That's not fair. I, one of the things I thought was, why don't these kids put their clothes back on before they leave the cabin? Mm. It was Multiple raining, times. man. You don't want to get your clothes wet? Well, it was raining, so I don't want to get my body wet. I don't know. I really like that scene where she kills the power generator. And it's literally, she, I mean, the killer, whoever the killer is, uh, kills yeah. the power oh, generator. Right. And Danger you're, spoilers. You're from outside in the subjective camera, but maybe it's just like a static camera. It doesn't really make it clear. And then the lights just... Mm. Well, I know when she popped those lights back on, I thought that girl, since she was near the archery, I thought she was going to be taking a few arrows. They do kind of like, tease that, don't yeah, they? Yeah, 
and nothing happened. And then, then they have the off-screen kill. I do like that they pay off the off-screen kill, though. You know, in some movies, you would just never yeah. see that character again. And then this one, she becomes Jetsam, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Who is still moving on the floor, by the way. Oh, they're all... She was twitching a few times. I'm like, no, I mean, if you look closely enough, even that guy stuck to the door, like, winks at one point, or his eye twitches (laughs) when they open the door. Like, what are we going to ask of these guys? They're probably making $10 a day. They're theater actors. They're theater actors, so they're playing to the guy in the back. Yeah, they're making sure the guy in the back knows that they're dead as well. Yeah, be dead, but be broad. Is that what we're doing? Like, this is your moment. This is my moment. I'm going to die on stage and everybody's going to see it. <laughs> so I need to know, George, and I wasn't there. Travis, were you there while he was watching any of this? Yeah, the last half hour, I think I showed up uh, right around when the good girl brushes her teeth and then goes outside because she hears a little kid saying, Help me. Uh, Mom, help me. Help me. Like the fly. Help, help me. me. Yeah. Hey, so I need to know about George. And the final jump scare out of the lake. Did he jump? He did not jump, but he said, oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, I'll take that. Yeah, it wasn't like a, oh, shit. It was just like, oh, Is oh, that shit. where, like, comedians go, oh, that's funny, and that's, like, right. good enough because they're not going to laugh at anything? George is just like, oh, shit. It's like, wow, yeah, scared him, got him good. It's as good as well, we I saw George. his outer reaction. What was your inner reaction? Did you think something was going to happen? Because it was kind of like that no. corny music playing. No. Well. It's like a really bad sitcom again, music. <laughs> again, this movie threw me off from the beginning. Well, not from the beginning, but the middle. I didn't know what to expect. So when that corny music was happening, yes, I did expect something. Mm. But I didn't really know what. And when Jason or... Whatever that Jason? was. I mean, obviously, it's supposed to be Jason, but it's not the Jason that I was it's expecting. It's the boy in the lake. It's the boy in the lake. The boy in the lake. When it happened, I thought that looked amazing. Like, mm. it happened really quick, and it did scare the shit out of me. Heart was pounding. Yeah, he did not jump, though, but I could tell it was something. That was a self-high five I just did. <laughs> <laughs> Very happy. Uh, can you social distance yourself? It got me. I'll reach my arms six feet apart, and we'll do an air clap. There you go. Air clap. (laughs) Good. So a 40-year-old movie made you jump. That's good. So Kevin Bacon's kill got me Oh, when that happened. It does kind of come out of nowhere. And you're probably like trying to figure out like, oh, is she going to, is somebody going to jump out and get her while she leaves? Like, Well, you know why it got you? Because you just watched Halloween, and usually after they're done the deed, there's like, that's kind of like the the calm before the storm and they got you during the calm you know what was you know what really got me the reason why it got me was because the other counselor was on the bunk above him right right they show you that he gets a drip of blood on him and he wipes it off and you think immediately he's gonna find his friend up there dead you have some time exactly you think oh he's gonna he's gonna find that dead body as soon as that drip hits him and the drip hits him he wipes it and then Boom, he's dead. Right. That got me. Yep. And it definitely does a thing where it like it realigns your perspective from him up. And you just think mm-hmm. if there's a threat, it's gonna come from above where that body right. is. Yeah, it does. It kinda gets you in the back when you turn your back on it. It's yep. a, it's a good gag. No pun intended. But it's it's that's what they call those things, like that that special effects gag to you know, basically stab someone through the chest from behind, but it's not his body at all. Allegedly, I mean. Allegedly, I'm still thinking just great EMT work there on the on the side of the. I film. have the drawings at home, and yeah, it's it's not him. <laughs> I recreated it in eighth grade using a paper mache body. <laughs> it was I, saw, yep. I failed the yep. class. My teacher Listen, reported Savini, me to the police, but it was. I wanted. To, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be Tom Savini when I was in high school. I still want to be Tom Savini. Yeah. That guy's awesome. I studied his the stuff he did i literally was going to go into that field that's what i wanted to do my parents talked me out of it i've been watching his stuff for a long time so we talked earlier last week when we were doing the halloween episode about how it was like a streamlined halloween was like a streamlined improved americanized trim all the fat off just horror fest version of what was happening in italy with especially the umberto Lindsay stuff and i i Mm -hmm. think i made a pretty compelling case that he'd seen 
at least some of that work and, and definitely borrowed some of that musical flair for the Halloween theme. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, ru- you ruined it for me forever. This movie, though, is a little different because it really kind of does its best to like cite the high points of its lineage coming from Psycho rather than to just borrow wholesale from uh, Italian movies. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got the Psycho theme. We talked about that. The story itself is just inverse Psycho. Did you catch that? Instead of mom being um, dead and son doing the killing, son's dead and right, mom's right, doing right. the killing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, it actually also cites Spiral Staircase, which is one of like the really old Hayes Code era horror movies where they, they have a scene where the, the victim turns to camera and goes, oh, it's you, right before they get killed by the, right, the mysterious right. killer. You know, like that Steve Christie scene. Right. It's just borrowed from its history. Like that's, you know, it's it's almost like citation rather than just exploitation of a previous film. Right. So that part's pretty cool. Have you ever heard the story behind this movie, George? No. Basically, Sean Cunningham, the producer, took out an ad in Variety, a full-page ad saying, coming next year, Friday the 13th, because we already had Halloween making money. Mm. So to drum up money for his next movie, he advertised a movie called Friday the 13th. But the script he had was originally called The Long Night at Camp Blood. And had to be adapted quite a bit from what Victor Miller originally intended Yeah. before it became Friday the 13th. They didn't do a whole lot. I mean, they added the day and the mm. kid in the lake and, you know, a few a few minor points we've already talked about. But uh, when it came time to make the movie, he got some funding from a guy uh, out of Boston called Phil Scuderi or Scudera, Scudera. I'm not great with my... Italian name pronunciation, as is a theme on this show. Mm. Yeah, you love Italian films. <laughs> love Italian films. Not great pronouncing the names. Well, boys and girls, mostly George, because everybody else probably already has heard some version of this. There's a movie that came out in Italy called A Bay of Blood. And this movie and its next two sequels borrow a lot of imagery, weapon selection, kill design gore implementation and even costuming from this okay. one Italian movie which and Tom Savini was the special of artist on this movie oh that would have been hilarious <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of the guys in the crew and the writing room and all that they they refused to acknowledge the movie now in the US it had like eight different titles but one of them was uh, Twitch of the Death Nerve which is a pretty cool name and it's uh, a good band name yeah man Depends on where the death nerve is, I guess. Right, that's true. So, uh, <laughs> apparently, in uh, Mrs. Voorhees' pants. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, that's frightening. Ooh. <laughs> One of the funnier things to come out of the revelation that maybe this Twitch of the Death Nerve slash A Bay of Blood movie influence this movie, especially Friday 2, takes a kill, like shot for shot, out of the movie. Like, this one, mm. you could almost be like, well, maybe. And at the end of my speech here you might still be thinking well, i don't know that's close but not as bad as john carpenter and umberto Lindsay. by the time you get to friday 2 i mean it's like oh hey they cut the oh the camera oh that did the oh that's the same thing is that the thing with the sack as well no oddly enough no. it's okay. um that's something else yeah that was a different movie that they borrowed from the interesting thing about a bay of blood that people don't talk about enough is where it fits in the lineage of Italian movies and how it connects to this movie, but also to The Last House on the Left, which was mm-hmm. another movie made by Wes Craven and Sean That's Cunningham, great. the guy from Friday, earlier in the 70s. So I'm going to take you back on a little journey. Have I ever talked to you guys about Mario Bava? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so Mario Bava was the Italian director that basically invented the modern, in the 60s, Giallo. Mm-hmm. Without him, we don't have any of these movies because it was his movies that adapted Hitchcock into something beyond, to where Hitchcock is eventually copying the movies that copied Bava, who copied him. Mm. So the whole circle comes complete in the (laughs) mid-70s. But Bava comes along, and he makes a bunch of gothic castles and cool lighting and, like, you know, bright green and bright red and a castle wall with a knife. And then for variety, he does one... That's in a fashion house. Bright greens, bright reds in a fashion house with a knife. And the follow-up to that one, same thing. Like a uh, fashion house that looks like a castle, bright colors, 
and knives. Like, he's got kind of a thing going on. Mm-hmm. It's his style. But then Bay of Blood comes out, and it's brown, and it's beige. And granted, it's the 70s. But up until this point, this does not look like a bava. It's naturalistic. It's in the woods. There's a, mm-hmm. an old, decrepit resort. Doesn't look at all like a bava. So what's interesting is he's also... Baba himself kind of borrowing an aesthetic that popped up the year before in a movie called Whirlpool. Now, this is a Spanish movie directed by Jose Larraz. Uh, it's a hell of a movie. And it also has a strip poker scene that you could argue shows up in this movie as a strip monopoly scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's weird. But <laughs> Whirlpool pops up, does pretty good business, and it has this amazing new aesthetic where you're out in the woods and it looks like fall. And everything just kind of looks gross and dirty, and it works. And it centers around a lake, right? Like a, the whirlpool that it mm-hmm. refers to in the title. So Baba okay. suddenly hits the brakes on Gothic, and his next movie looks just like Whirlpool. Hmm. So what? Like, where did this come from? Well, Whirlpool looked cool and made money, so now Baba's making one too. He makes the Bay of Blood, and the plot is nonsensible. It doesn't make any sense. I still can't really track. I've seen it 10 times. I can't ever remember who the killer is because it's just such a, it's a romp. It's supposed to be taken, I think, tongue in cheek. At least that's what Tim Lucas would have you believe. You mean it's satire? Maybe, but it <laughs> is super gory. Is <laughs> and the gore in it is like the axe to the face that you have in Friday the 13th mm. is kind of, it's very similar to a bill hook to the face, like an inverted mm. machete. Where the guy's right. eye moves despite the fact he's got the machete in his face. Like, it's very similar to the axe. Right. Almost as well executed, too, 10 years earlier, which is pretty cool. Hmm. But uh, when they go to make Friday the 13th, I imagine the conversation goes something like, Hey, guys, I've got this name, Friday the 13th. What scripts you guys got? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I got to make this movie because I made a promise and we got to rip off Halloween as quick as possible. And hmm. so I don't know enough about the actual interaction between the writers uh, and the producer and all this. But for a while there, I was kicking around this idea that it's like, okay, you've got Friday the 13th. You're putting it at a lake. There's a lot of blood. It's like, man, I wonder if at any time they were thinking about calling this movie Lake of Blood just to be Mm. straight up like rip off a bay of blood. And then it hits me, oh my God, they call it Camp Blood. Camp Blood. From the first moment, from the jump. They're like, oh, hey, this is Camp Blood. (laughs) Like, Mm. they're not even hiding it. But nobody knows A Bay of Blood because it played drive-ins under 10 different names. Bizarre, man. They've been doing this for half a century. Yeah, man. We just, we we looked at what the Italians did because they had no sense of, like, I don't know, caution when it came to gore or stunts or storytelling, you know. Well, thank God they weren't stealing from, like, Bollywood. These horror movies would be strange as shit. Have you ever seen the thriller Bollywood? (laughs) Yes. It's amazing. <laughs> not, not amazing. Bollywood's time is coming, man. They're going to figure it out. We're going to get some good horror out of India at some point. Well, we got a lot of good horror out of Japan. So so I'm going to send you a screenshot and just tell me if maybe there's any similarity of costume or... Can we just say I'm sure there is? Yeah, but I'm going to send it to you anyway. <laughs> I like to show and tell. Plus, I took the time to take these pictures. Yeah, so screenshots. You got to look at them. I enjoy your show and tell personally. It ruins my love of movies, but I no, enjoy it. I mean, that's the thing. This movie is so much. It's Psycho and it's Bay of Blood. The plot actually makes sense. You're invested in the characters. It does a whole lot that Bay of Blood never did. You know what? I saw parts of this movie and I made the same connection. Don't remember where I saw it, but this guy looks familiar. But yeah, he's wearing Doesn't... Mrs. Voorhees' sweater. I saw him say something that almost was like verbatim from Friday Thirteenth. Oh, it's I'm that scene. I'm sure they borrowed uh, plenty, and I th- I watched it in Italian today, so the delivery would be a little different than if I'd watched it in English. Right. So I'm not saying he didn't say that, but he's wearing Mrs. Voorhees' sweater, and then the axe that I sent you a picture of is the axe. I mean, the same kind of model of axe they put in the bed when they find mm-hmm. it on the pillow, mm-hmm. and yeah. then notice the lady who's one of the leads and kind of the Alice of the story, straight up like takes a nap on the couch right at the climax of the movie, just like she does, Alice does in Friday the 13th. <laughs> like, so they're mm, not just borrowing tired. aesthetics, like they're borrowing plot points. 
Well, you know, when the lights get shut off, you get a little tired. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't get energized and, and more ready to survive. No, you take a little nappy nap. <laughs> it's nappy poo. I never understood the let me take a nap, except it does give you a good break <coughs> narratively for him to disappear for her to mm. not know what's going on. I think we just need a little bit more. That, If any part of this movie never really worked for me, it was the, let me make tea real quick, never mind, I'm going to fall asleep. Like, <laughs> yeah, that whole part, I think they could have handled that better. But for the budget they had, for the amount of like experience they had on the crew, and for the final product that they put out, I'm not going to hold yeah. them accountable for that. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, this was pretty much an independent film, wasn't it? This was. It was, it was of... produced independently. It was what they call a negative pickup, where basically an independent crew makes the movie without a distributor, and then they take it around to different companies and say, hey, do you want to sell our movie? Hey, do you want to sell our right. movie? And so what that does Just... is it saves you a lot of money on union stuff because you don't have to use the same rules that Hollywood does. And it's it's insane <laughs> to think that a company as big as Paramount would pick this up except that they're riding the wave of Halloween success. So it's not just right. that they're benefiting from ripping off the idea, quote-unquote, of Halloween, but, I mean, they're really riding the wave, man, the market wave, and, I mean, it's good business. I think Evil Dead was done the same way. Didn't Sam Raimi make that movie and then chop it around and see who would distribute it? I, I would have to believe that was probably yeah, independent, was that thing. first one especially. You don't get a lot of studio notes when you make the movie right. yourself. Same with Friday right. Part Two. You'll see that... It also has some edges that you would never see in a Hollywood movie. Right. And it works. Like, it's great. I love Friday 2. Spoiler alert. It's my favorite one. It's great. I mean, there's one other one I like just as much, but we'll talk about that later. 10. But by the time you get to Friday 3, <laughs> George, keep an eye out. Friday 3, you're going to start seeing the hints that there was studio control. You're going to see decisions mm. made that weren't made in the first two movies. And you're going to think, oh, right, Paramount now wants to... Don't tell me anything. Yeah. I want to I try and pick them out myself. I'm not going to tell you anything. The best part about the fact that we're going to sit down and watch these movies, all of them, is they're, they're like children. Like, they all have awesomeness about them. You're going to love them all for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And there's a few that you're going to hate, and you hate them so much you love them. <laughs> It really is like we have a Little yeah. League team made up of these Friday movies. <laughs> right. And you may not want to put, you know, part five in at shortstop, but you don't want part five to be off your team. You love part five. It's got to right. be there. And you definitely don't want part 10 as your catcher. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. But what are we putting part 10 in, like, left field? It's, part 10 is like the ball boy. Yeah. Yeah. Part 10 the, might the be boy. rocking the Gatorade stand. <laughs> <laughs> it has its moments, but yeah. I didn't even know there was ten of them. There's twelve. That's a, that's a there's twelve. That's a ton, if you count one of them. That's really not part of the series. And then we're also gonna make you watch uh, the Halloween sequels as well. So just clear your schedule, George. You're gonna be busy for the next couple months. Oh, I'm excited. This is my favorite franchise. Just to put it into perspective. Not even related to the fact that I was watching this movie today. This morning when I woke up, I put on my second Friday the 13th shirt in two days. Like, I went from one to the other. And mm. I spent all day drinking out of my Camp Crystal Lake mug. So, <laughs> I mean. Did you receive your uh, Jason t-shirt in the mail yet? Yes. And the mug to go with it and the hoodie to go with it. You got a mug? I got two mugs, actually. I got a backup. It's a parody of the Jaws poster, <laughs> and it's a woman swimming on top of the water, and Jason's looking up at her like the shark. It's uh, amazing. It's where, where it usually says Jaws, it says Jason. <laughs> uh. it's, I sent him a link, and he's like, i got to have that. <laughs> this is up your alley. So, guys, years ago, I showed this movie to three people who had never seen it before simultaneously. And this is in my old house. I had a theater room seating for like eight people, full projection screen, you know, like an 80-inch <sighs> screen in an era where that was a big deal. Huge surround sound theater speaker. Like it was it was dope, as they say. Legit. It was too legit to quit. To quit. <laughs> so I have these people over, wow. and my wife and I are in the front row. My friends are all in the back row. And we get to the end scene, and... Alice has defeated Mrs. Voorhees in gory decapitation fashion. My wife and I, we 
hunch down into the couch so they don't see us giggling at the fact that they're about to get scared. We're looking at mm. each other like, oh, here it comes. Oh, <laughs> we're going to love it. Jason jumps out of the lake and I hear three individual screams from the back row and I feel good. I feel like <laughs> I've done my job. I've scared these three people. And immediately I hear my, because it's my single friend and then my married couple friends. I hear a married guy go, oh, honey, are you okay? And I'm like, man, oh my God. that is really sweet that he's like nervous about his wife. And then I'm like, oh, no. Did somebody pee on my couch? Like, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Even better than that. When he got scared, 275-pound former offensive lineman friend of mine oh, no. backhanded his wife in oh, fright. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, jeez. She was fine. But, yeah, oh, man. it scared her so it scared him so bad he smacked his wife. Yeah. See, I remember seeing that scene. That was one of the first horror movies I saw was this, this the ending of this. And that scared the crap out of me. I'm amazed I didn't know about that jump scare going into it. I'm just so glad I, you didn't know about Mrs. Voorhees because that's yeah. been spoiled in pop culture a number of times. To where yes. like even today I saw a an article scroll through my Twitter feed with her picture holding a knife and I was like Man, no, you're right. Spoil this for everybody. It ranks up there with Luke. I am your father. Like it's one of those things where everybody references her being the killer in this movie. You're just like, you get like I said to George when I showed up. There's no graphics on this DVD that would give that away, and he said no. And I'm, I was just, I was happy because they they so quickly give away everything in the packaging because they assume you've already seen it. You know, they assume you're buying it for the fifth time. So when you buy these packages, that's me. Yeah, you that's buy me. you fifth buy time, them. They have time, a picture of time. her holding that knife that gives it all away. And I'm like, oh shit! I hope it wasn't in there. But now I'm looking at the graphic on the TV, and it's it's like the poster art. So yeah, I double checked before I sent George these movies. I didn't want anything spoiled for the first eight because I figure there's enough surprises along the way that. We don't want to get careless. And the formula is the same. They just they they do it so well. Is it though? Is it the same? No, it, it they it's enough to where you think it's going to be the same, and then they throw you. All right, that's that's enough talking yeah, about it. They throw you enough. I will say, I love the first one, and I think it's a really successful film. I think it takes the Jalo who done it mysterious killer thing that Halloween was lacking. Mixes it with just enough Halloween up front to really get your bearings. And a lot of the same, like, uh, you know, go get me a beer, right, is replaced by, oh, I mm-hmm. got to go pee, right? But, like, mm-hmm. uh, you got all your notes from Halloween. They're just distributed different. They're influenced by other things. They're gory as all get out. Thank you, Tom Savini, and just mm-hmm. the 80s, I guess, for bringing us that. And I believe Greg Nicotero was involved in some of the Fridays as well. He definitely, Greg uh, from K&B. The K&B. He did uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Cause yeah. He's talked about in interviews that other people have probably already read before they hear this, but the fact that he turned a certain uh, prop from Jason Goes to Hell into a speaker stand. <laughs> 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 he's a guitar player nice. too, George. You'll I, like, lo- I you'll love like him. like Nicotero. I met him. He's a good guy. Yeah, I know of Nicotero. Oh, yeah, you're a yeah, Walking Dead f- guy. Walking Dead, yeah. Walking Dead, yeah. Yeah, see, you Walking Dead folks have no idea how long we've waited for him to become famous, and, and now he is. Yeah. Yeah. I met him back when he was working Nightmare on Elm Street. He was working, K&B was doing stuff for that, too. And he was like, I wouldn't say he was a nobody, but he was, you know, one of four or five guys in the group. And when I met him, he was nobody. Nobody knew who he was, and now he's who he is. I love it. I think I first him. found out about him on the Day of the Dead uh, special mm. features where they go through and they're like, yeah, hey, it's Tom Savini, but here's my my new guy. And you meet this like cool rock and roll guy who also makes awesome guts. Like, oh, okay. I can figure out this guy's pretty cool. Yeah, well, I can, I can definitely see how this movie is almost like the culmination of all of the, th- the things that you've shown me thus far. You can see the, the Hitchcock. You can see... The Jallo, the Halloween, uh, yeah, the Halloween, um, all of that. Some of Wayne's World in there. A little bit. <laughs> Party time. 
Excellent. You had your comedic guy in there. Oh, um, man, what a knucklehead. I, I wrote down chock full of tropes. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm thinking, like, this movie has all of them. Halloween like, didn't have a real, like, goofball, did it? Uh, no, not really. I'm trying to think what before this had, like, the just balls-out knucklehead character, or was this guy the first of that trope? Well, I guess in Texas was a whiny uh, character. Yeah, but he wasn't uh, Winston fun. or whatever his name was. Like, I didn't he, miss him when he was gone. Right, right. No, no no one goes the way of Shelley and all that stuff. So, yeah, you have to have the clown. Yeah. I do have to disagree. You keep saying Halloween is missing that mystery killer thing. I don't think they ever tried to do that. That I don't think it was ever a mystery. I think the mystery was why he was doing it. Well, but that, do they tell you why revealed. he was doing it? Like, I watched Halloween just recently. And no. They never tell you why. So is that a mystery? Like, what I mean is they had this opportunity... To be like, ooh, we got this guy killing people. Let's make it a, you know, a Ten Little Indians kind of like uh, whodunit kind of thing. And and instead, they were just like, oh, hey, here's our killer. There he is as a kid. Guess what? He's out. Guess what he's doing? He killing. You want to see him? There he is. He's scary, right? <laughs> yeah, he is. Hey, there he is again. He's pretty scary. Oh, same mask. Okay. Oh, he's got a knife now. Let's kill him. Like, you know, it's a ride. It's a thrill ride. But I, I just am so into the play along at home try to figure it out like it just it right. it stimulates a certain intellectual response that halloween just doesn't have so i'm not saying okay. it's worse because it doesn't have it i'm just saying they, they could have made it better by adding it you couldn't do it in halloween 2 right but you could do it in halloween 1 i know it for me i think with friday 13th what would have made it better for me was actually showing us mrs Voorhees at some point throughout the movie as a victim, like I know you don't have to do the whole reveal, but show her character interacting. So when she shows up, you're not like, oh, who's this? Yeah, we're what? an hour into an 80 minute movie and we just got a new character. Yeah, we're just learning this character. Like she should have been maybe at the diner or whatever. Like at the beginning, you should have seen her at a couple points where she didn't stick out like a sore thumb. Because as soon as you saw her, you knew she's driving a Jeep that might be Steve's. Mm-hmm. She comes out of nowhere in the middle of the night and she's just got like this, hi, I'm here to save you face. And it's just like, to me, like you said, you don't introduce a character <laughs> 89 minutes into a 90 minute movie. Yeah. I so, mean, that all, that has to come down to budget, you know, just like with Donald Pleasance being used in, mm-hmm. in limited fashion, you just can't afford that much Betsy Palmer because I right. mean, Betsy Palmer's stock is pretty high, right? Well, you you could have filmed you could have filmed in the same day she was there for the night scene, maybe during the day, just film her in the town because I know where they filmed it and everything's pretty close to each other, so they could have easily driven her over there, maybe just bumped into the camper, just something. Because my guard was up when I saw it, I was just like, wait, and I remember back then watching it going. Wait, why am I just seeing her now? Did that work on you, so, George? Or were you like, hold on a second. Who's this lady? Well, I mean, once she introduces herself as a Voorhees, you have to understand that she's a Voorhees. But before that, when she comes out of the Jeep, are you like, oh, this is our killer because I haven't met her yet? Or are you like, ooh, a twist. Let me see where this takes me. Well, I was all over the place because when, um, uh, what's his name that, that owns the uh, owns the camp? Steve, Steve. I think. Christie. Yes. Christie. When Steve Christie comes out of the diner and he's driving a Jeep, I thought, oh, he's crazy, right? He's the one who killed the camper, the in, camper the in the right. beginning. Oh, yeah. They totally set that up, and I'm glad it worked. Yes. So that kept me that kept me guessing. And then it breaks down, and blah, blah, blah. We know how it goes. And then- You know the sh- thing. And then, sh- and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Voorhees drives up in a Jeep, and- now I'm I'm thinking someone's driving his Jeep back to the... Because I know he's already been back and killed. Who's driving his Jeep back? They purposely made him stranded on the side of the road and the cop picked him up. So you see his Jeep abandoned. Yes. So then you're like, oh, maybe she found his Jeep. <laughs> like, yeah, I just... Maybe she knows who he is. Maybe mm. she... had, But how did she find out that... And all these things are going through my mind. I was guessing. And then obviously when when she says who she is, I'm like, okay, well, that's, I mean, what's her deal? How 
involved is when she that first in happened this? no one knew who Jason Voorhees was right so well, that reveal was not a big deal back then but now every that's a household name right so when you hear her say oh I'm Mrs. Voorhees well all of a sudden I, I was kind of trying to watch you because I knew as soon as she said that you were going to go oh yeah. But then I was hoping you were, like I said earlier, I was hoping you were going to think, oh, well, maybe she's working with Jason. I was just trying to analyze how involved she was in everything that was going on. I didn't assume that she was the killer. I didn't assume that she was... I, I didn't assume anything. I, I couldn't at that point. This movie kept me guessing the entire time. Excellent. So... <laughs> Party time. You know what would have really done a whole lot is just... Like you were saying, just give me one minute of her interacting with Steve Christie during the daylight mm-hmm. hours at the camp. Yeah, or like maybe she diner. gives him the keys or he gives her the keys just, or something. You know, and she might even have like an ominous little warning that sounds like another, uh, you're all doomed, right? But more yeah. like subdued, you know, like, hey, Steve, are you sure? I really don't want you guys to get in any trouble. You know what happened last yeah. time, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could have been something like... Oh hi, Steve. I, you're up at the camp. I heard you're reopening. Like, you think it's too soon? Like, kind of thing like that, where he just nonchalantly says, "Oh hi, Miss Forhey." So he says her name. So when she announces who she is, it's not a strange. Like, it just sounds like she's announcing herself. What would be amazing though, if you wanted to go like next level, how would Dan fix it? What you would do is you would show her early on. Mm. Especially if she wasn't yet dressed in like commando grandma sweater with a knife. Right. Because then when she drives up and is like, oh, hi, I'm Mrs. Voorhees and I'm here to save the day. Big old flipping knife on my belt. You're like, ooh, grandma's here to get tough. Like she's, <laughs> she's been at the edge of death and she has now returned and she is our hero. And then when she twists to be the bad guy, you'd be like, oh, you tricked me. Mm. But instead it's just yeah. like, oh, a new character at 80 minutes into an 85 minute movie. Mm killer alert yeah that was the only problem i had with this movie which is pretty good acting was solid minus a few theater things i'll take a theater thing over oh me too community theater right (laughs) there's a couple of wonderful slasher movies that have these moments of like non-professional or just like straight up like we can we shoot in your gas station okay but i gotta be an actor okay you can be the you can be the gas station attendant in my movie I'm looking at The Mutilator. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen Fall Break no. slash The Mutilator? No. It has the best locals playing themselves in a convenience store scene, this side of Nailgun Massacre. It's amazing. Better than Jersey Girl? Dude, I might send you a link to that for after this. <laughs> this is off the air. You guys got to watch this real yes. quick. I have homework as well. You're going on a fall break, <laughs> walking yeah. hand in hand in the moonlight. I find it funny that George makes a connection of all the movies that are connecting now. That's what a curriculum is. We did it, man. This was it's not by accident. Like, we picked this was not the, hi- the highlights. But this is it, man. Friday the 13th has culminated all the achievements of Halloween, Psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Wayne's World, Spiral Staircase, A Bay of Blood, Whirlpool. They're all there, man. I want to give him a list of next season. <laughs> Chomping at the bit. No, I want to make sure that our next curricula like fits together like this one mm. did. Gotta have a theme. And in the meantime, we're gonna make him watch all the Jasons. Yes. Sounds good to me. Evolution of Jason. Alright, guys, that brings us to the end of the first semester and the first season of the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at RemedialFilmPod. You can also find us at Facebook.com slash RemedialFilmPod and email us at RemedialFilmPod at gmail.com. Over the next couple of weeks, George is going to be watching all of the Friday the 13th films and we'll be covering them in a bit more casual fashion, sort of a fall break, if you will. We'll be back for season two with a full curriculum of more varied movies in the future, but for now, we're going to let George get to know the man behind the mask. So at what point do we make George play the Friday the 13th video game? Which one? The NES one or the newer one where these in? The PlayStation one. PlayStation. I haven't even played that one yet, and I definitely want to... Yes. Dude. I don't own it. Every Tuesday night, we play. Wow. We've played well, for I'll, two and a half years. Once we can fly, I'll uh, come out and play on Tuesday. That's, I suck it's at online. Video Just games. get your PSN going, man. Okay. 
Yeah. I suck at video games. That's okay. We'll, we will gladly let you play as Jason if you're terrible. <laughs> You'll be invincible until you're not, and then you will be sad, and we will be happy. Until you get hit by a tidal wave of toxic waste. What's the premise? Like, you, a bunch of people can play at the same time, and they're all, like, counselors? Okay, so it's asymmetrical, asymmetrical competitive adversarial combat. So one person randomly is Jason, and he's pretty mm-hmm. much invulnerable until he's not, and he has all kinds of horror movie powers, right? He can teleport, he can zip around the map sometimes, he can, like, uh, become completely silent and be able to stalk up on somebody without the scary music, you know, just to trick mm. people. Which, so there's geography involved? Oh, there's so many maps. So much nice. fun. And they're based on the locations, right? So you get parts one, two, three, four, and five. Okay. And they're very well modeled. They have a lot of good, familiar scenery. Today watching uh, part one, there's a scene where, I think it's when Crazy Ralph goes bicycling away mm from Alice who's standing in the cabin door looking out looking all mean at him mm-hmm. and I see the lifeguard stand and I go oh he's right by the boathouse and then as the camera pans there's the boathouse mm. I'm like oh that's that's really cool <laughs> so seven counselors versus one Jason and you don't have to fight Jason you can just evade and then you either fix a car and escape fix a boat and escape or you fix a phone and call the police and then survive long enough that the police show up. And then you have mm. to run to the safety of the police. Okay. And uh, What's a boat going to get you if it's a lake? Well, I mean... Can't really get too far. It can get you all the way to <laughs> Manhattan, Travis. That's true. That is true. But it's it's one of those things where, like, we've now... The five of us have played together so long that, like, if one of us is not Jason, we are going to either escape or give you a heck of a fight, you know? It's mm. it's fun, but it's not like it doesn't take reflexes. It just takes patience. It's more intellectual than any game I've played because after every round, you have to think, oh, God, what decision did I make that got me killed? And next time, how can I make a better decision? You know, it's not about Twitch. It's about where am I going to be? What's my strategy here? What's my best percentage uh, to survive this encounter? And how do I implement it? Right. It's so cool. Hmm. I'll have to look into it. <laughs>